0: Hockey
1: Podcast, and
0: some hockey podcast, and 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 some hockey podcast. Shall we start this? Let's do it. All right. I think I always start off with all right, so I'm I'm just gonna keep it going.
1: All righty then.
0: Oh, oh, we're, oh man, movies we shouldn't have seen when they came out because of how young we were. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think I quote Ace Ventura more
1: than I should. After I don't know.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. It's like Jinkos, like they're back, man. <laughs> so here we are. It's episode 20, and we are mercifully together once again because. The, the inclement weather has dissipated here in the Pacific Northwest, and yeah. we are once more able to record mano a mano. And hopefully, this episode sounds a little better because we won't have my, my my recording setup picking up my heater throughout throughout the entire deal. Yeah, our one week winter in Portland, Oregon, is now complete. So before we dive in today, we had a competition this weekend, and I won.
1: You did. I, I, you won, and then you won again, and I surrendered.
0: So out of respect for my victory, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote a not that famous rap song. You don't have a Christopher Nolan quote. We'll get to that. So the quote is, "I'm looking sharp. You can't compete with the champ. Steady flicking. I'm holding down that layaway rant which is the layaway rent is me living in your head for having beat you. Ah. And you can't compete with a champ because we had a competition as to who could. This was Friday night? Friday night. Friday night.
1: Both just drinking and watching hockey.
0: Drinking and watching hockey. And this one went better than my no Canadian beer in Portland experiment where I tried...
1: (laughs) It's hard to make hashtags work. Yeah. Especially when you have like 10 followers.
0: Yeah. The, I don't have the internet cachet to make a, a hashtag work. I will just say this. We can't find Canadian beer in this city. And that's a goddamn shame.
1: It makes proper hockey watching a little bit difficult.
0: So Friday night attempt at fun. And we're not good at social media stuff. We're learning. We're getting better. I think Evan's significantly better than I am. So the the challenge was who could post as many gifts from Christopher Nolan movies <laughs> on Twitter feeds.
1: With con- with proper context.
0: With proper context. It had to make sense.
1: And hockey Twitter feeds hockey that's Twitter feeds, all yeah. we follow.
0: <laughs> yeah, that it's I did follow somebody today who their Twitter feed is them posting pictures of them posing toys in funny situations. <laughs> so that that's new. So I think the final score was like 18 to 14, something like that. 18-12. I think. 18, well, either way, I won. And so I want to thank, one, Kid Sister for giving me the lyrics to really amplify my elation of this stunning victory. So yeah, Kid Sister Pronails. That's the, the answer to the question I posted on all of our social media earlier today if you guessed that you win no prize
1: because <laughs> we have no prizes to
0: give up. if we someday have prizes though That'll i'll be get, fine. i'll get back to you on that one okay now we can start the fun actually no that was the fun in the battle of handsome hockey podcast twitter i am it, i'm up one to nothing there will be more of these and if you follow us on twitter you can catch them all of our giggles and our laughs
1: you've taken the first set we use like
0: yes. tennis parlance Anyways, we are uh, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter. You can follow us there. We're jumping into the hockey conversations. Yeah, we're going to lean into some shenanigans there. Yeah, I think
1: shenanigans is the best way to go. So it's still Black History Month. We've been doing our best to do some real work here and educate ourselves and educate our listeners and followers and, and you know, just spout off to random people about black people and women in hockey. And, yeah, I watched Soul on Ice. It was pretty good. Uh, it was, you know, maybe just a little bit dated, but it was really cool to, you know, see all of recent black stars in the NHL kind of in one movie and learning about Grant Fuhr. I it, I wasn't actually conscious that Grant Fuhr was black. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And you've done some research in, about the hockey player of, of color movement.
0: or wanted to find some organizations out there that are really shining a light on bringing people of color into hockey on all levels and the hockey players of color movement, which is www.hpocmovement.com. Their goal is to kind of provide ambassadors and mentorship for people of color who are playing hockey Okay, and find opportunities for people of color to get into hockey. There are a number of current and former pros uh, on lower levels. Not, we're not talking Anthony Duclair, he's not part of this, but people who have played the game in college and elsewhere, some who are playing professionally in Europe, and they just offer mentoring and outreach for players of color and hope to grow the game in communities of color and work to make hockey more inclusive. In conjunction with them, there's NHL Black 58 on Instagram. It's NHLBLAK58 on Instagram. They kind of act in conjunction with hockey players of color movement, and they share content both about the history of black players, not only in the NHL, but all throughout hockey, um, black men and women. They also do a great job of celebrating black women in the sport. And they're currently, if you're interested, give them a follow because they're currently counting down the top 50 black hockey players of all time, which has been really interesting to see as kind of Hmm. a perspective going back to guys who made the league during like the first, the first wave of black players coming into the league. And also a lot of guys from the eighties who, you know, maybe played a game or two here or there, but had great hockey careers outside of the nhl also black women who are are making who have made an impact or are making an impact on the game their most recent as of yesterday when i was writing this their most recent addition to that list was number 16 which was wayne simmons who has had a storied career with philadelphia and is now playing in toronto
1: yeah unfortunately injured after having a resurgent year this year
0: yeah he was looking great all of Toronto is looking pretty great, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was especially looking super dangerous. So yeah, it was really cool to see him and Anson Carter and George Larocque. you know, all of these super talented trailblazers in the league, all kind of talking about their stories and learning about the history of the Colored Hockey League and all of the innovations that it's brought to today's game, such as the slap shot yeah. and freezing the puck.
0: Can you imagine hockey without a slap shot? Alex Ovechkin <laughs> never sets foot in the NHL without a slapshot. <laughs> right.
1: So, and I didn't realize, you know, there's a black woman in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Angela James. So she was in, inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2010.
0: The other kind of big news that came out over the last week or so was Bauer, in conjunction with the Black Girl Hockey Club, created some Willio O'Ree commemorative skates. Mm, mm-hmm. And they were worn by various players throughout the NHL, including... Anthony Duclair, Patrick Kane wore a set. Wayne Simmons is going to wear a set when he's back from injury, which is about three or four weeks about away right now. But those skates were were worn and are now going to be sold for charity. And that charity is Black Girl Hockey Club, which does amazing work in black communities, kind of growing both the exposure to and the availability of the game of hockey in communities of color and not just in the U S but also uh, throughout the world. And so any kind of revenue that they get from these skates is going to be put to really great use.
1: Yeah. And then the, uh, the pens have started Academy for young black hockey players, some former NHLers and NHL coaches are going to be, you know, training black hockey players in the Pittsburgh area. Trevor Daly is going to be one of the coaches, you know, we know him well as a former black Hawk and red wing and know the good parts and not so good parts of his game as a professional. So unfortunately, you know, maybe learning defensive responsibility might be something they'll have to pick up at other camps, but they'll learn a lot about scoring points in the power play.
0: Trevor Daly, a mostly complete defenseman, uh, <laughs> had a great game going forward, won a couple of cups with Pittsburgh, but it's it's great to see Pittsburgh bring him back into their, into the fold there mm-hmm. in, in their community and really create initiatives. It's great for any team to see them starting to create initiatives for players of color and women in their communities to get them exposure to the game
1: yeah and he's a really really great interview uh, really engaging guy and featured prominently in soul on ice so we're going to have these hockey players color movement and uh, good organizations and blogs and writers that we like uh, featured on our website, handsomehockey.com, in a page of inclusive hockey resources that I've been putting together throughout the month and is finally live as of last week. It's a lot of good people to listen to, a lot of good people to engage with on social media, and a lot of good people to give your money to. It's been really awesome to see how well the hockey community has embraced Black Girl Hockey Twitter and the women behind it. The sky is the limit for where we can take growing the sport if we include everybody that wants to play.
0: Yeah, it's just about getting more voices into the sport and getting more access to the sport as well and making sure that once we get those people into that hockey community that they feel at home and that they don't feel like they are an alien visitor to that community, which I think has been a long-standing issue, especially for people of color and women trying to get into the sport. The, the hockey players of color movement, they're a great resource for that sort of action of making sure that people feel at home in a sport people should feel at home at.
1: It's always nice to play with non-white players or women or trans non-binary players because it's like seeing real 5g come to you it's like a little piece of this perfect world that we envision where everyone can play and knowing that everyone that you play with that isn't a white guy has friends that they're maybe don't play yet but will we hope that that hockey can really be a sport for everybody playing watching talking about it enjoying so something else that we enjoyed seeing in the news this week.
0: There's been a lot of great fundraising going around, uh, like GoFundMe crowdsource fundraising for causes. There's the Quentin Quarantino $1 dollar benefit for Planned Parenthood that is in honor of the late Rush Limbaugh, which, I mean, you know. Women in general, and you know, women's reproductive rights were Russia's favorite thing. So it's, it's great. An Instagram feed has raised a million dollars for Planned Parenthood in his honor. Doing things in the honor of other folks.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed Kimberly Fry. Uh, she's an Arizona Coyotes announcer. Today she is embarking on quite the journey. She's going to skate a total of ninety-six miles around the desert, uh, hitting a lot of hockey practice facilities ranks, starting at the Children's Hospital there, in honor of Leighton Nicardo, who uh, is a late super superfan, who unfortunately passed away in November at the age of nine. She was super popular amongst the players and the staff, and everyone was really distraught when when she lost her battle of cancer. But there's a scholarship that's set up in her honor, and this is an effort that's going to raise... Almost $50,000 to to fund the scholarship for a, a women's hockey player.
0: These are all great. These are all great things. The making hockey more inclusive, raising awareness, raising money to fund scholarships for women's hockey players. All amazing. Unfortunately, we're still living with COVID. And I will say this. The league instituted some changes into their COVID policy, and I think the only delay we've had in the last week was the weather delay to the outdoor game, which we'll get to later. But we have seen, I think we're over 35 games now, get displaced i guess we could say but also ultimately (laughs) refugee games yes they are being rescheduled so we're gonna see rapid fire games here as we go down the home stretch with teams playing four maybe five times a week as opposed to two to three times a week and that's gonna be one nuts and two is going to bring up the need for further changes and evan came across uh, one interesting theory for how to keep the no- COVID numbers. Oh, it's down. not even
1: a theory. It's like what they're doing. The NHL has elected a policy named after the eponymous gotta keep them separated line from the offspring where previously infected players who have recovered from COVID are now sort of used as grocery sticks between players who have not contracted COVID and could be infectious. It sounds really kind of strange and grotesque but apparently the epidemiologists have weighed in and said this is a really good idea
0: it seems archaic and something that they did in the plague for the royals of europe
1: right like are they also gonna have to work plague masks in the locker room or... i support this <laughs> yeah that would be a pretty intimidating setup if either maybe you're like Team logo is a plague mask, or, or you just like come out onto the ice in plague masks. That could like, be.
0: <laughs> that can be the new Chicago Blackhawks logo. Oh god,
1: <laughs> the Chicago plague masks.
0: I do appreciate that the NHL is going full bore on vintage Offspring songs so they can hey hey come out and play. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Oh, God, dad jokes galore. But this is a really cool idea. And hopefully it keeps more players on the ice and keeps people safe and allows us to enjoy this game. Because every time I watch a game now, I'm like, most of these people will get COVID. (laughs) And that's a horrible way to watch something that you love. Uh, It's also how I watch shows where they like share a beverage. I'm like, don't do that
1: yeah i know stop it it's completely recalibrated how i watch tv
0: we all know hockey is a super spreader event unfortunately and we've seen that in the transmission rates amongst players in the united states go canadian teams for not screwing this up yet and having a stable government over the last four years that prepared (laughs) for this sort of situation if this is what it takes all you're doing is shuffling some lockers around like let's Let's do it. Let's keep people healthy, keep families safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, these guys are going home to their families when they're at their home ice. And hopefully we can finish the season with crowning of a Stanley Cup champion.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are still angling for rec hockey to be played. And I've seen some people just completely ignoring that the NHL has shown to be true what we hypothesized in that, you know, these games have the capability to be super spreader events if... One or more people are infected. We saw the refs from this Buffalo, New Jersey super spreader event have contracted COVID. So if you have players that have contracted COVID and refs that have contracted COVID, like, yeah, we need to be responsible with the games. And you criticize the league for going ahead with, with the Lake Tahoe experiment in that light. And hopefully it comes out that, you know, that traveling, the amount of time they spent waiting unfortunately not drinking Molson. You just hope they are as judicious as they damn well should be. You know who would have been really happy to have a previously infected person next to him on a plane ride?
0: I do not. Alex Galchenyuk. Well, he didn't have to go on a plane ride. No. He just stayed in Canada.
1: But I mean, he's going to have to go on a plane ride.
0: Carolina essentially went, no, you're good up there. Give us a minute. So by the time I started editing this, our last episode, <laughs> it was already out of date and Alex Galchenyuk had been traded again. And as I was editing it, I was like, "Why don't I should just drop all of this.
1: <laughs> we should just re-record the podcast.
0: So Alex Galchenyuk was traded to Carolina for a minute and then Carolina then flipped the script and sent him to Toronto. It's nice for... Alex, because he does not have to quarantine at all since he's been in Canada the whole time, he can just go from Ottawa over to Toronto and promptly secure some fourth line minutes for the Maple Leafs. But it just adds another tent post to Alex Galchenyuk's wild ride. Like, we're (laughs) he's gonna go full Pokemon on this and catch them all. Not COVID strains teams <laughs> played for and, you know, God bless them for it. So didn't they have to make some
1: strange roster moves to like keep him in the same spot without ha- like to, you know, they knew that they weren't going to quarantine him. they knew that they were going to move him. But didn't they buy themselves some time by like technically they sending him, him down? To, yeah, they waved him and technically sent him down. And then by then they had traded it.
0: So on on capfriendly.com dot com, which is one of my favorite websites in the world, especially for hockey, they have a trade history and transactions page. Mm. Most people have their transactions is like seven, eight, somewhere around there. Alex Galchenyuk is at 23. <laughs> he just has a passport. He's almost triple the normal. <laughs> they just stamp him on the forehead with each new team. Hopefully Toronto works out for him and he can stay there for a couple of years, be fun, have have fun. Toronto's a beautiful city. Their media market's insane, but whatever.
1: Alex, you're like a village bicycle. Yeah. Every GM's had a ride. <laughs> I don't know why that accent uh, seemed th- like a good idea.
0: Why not? So, you know what, you know, Godspeed, Alex. The nice thing about this is you have a very tradable contract. Mm-hmm. There are some people, however, who are producing about as much as Alex Galchenyuk, mm-hmm. but have very, very untradable contracts. Have boat
1: anchors around their GM's necks. Yeah,
0: that, and let's, we're not saying we feel bad for GMs. They're, no. NHL GMs are the dumbest. <laughs> You watch NFL GMs get out of their cap hell in like six minutes. <laughs> They're like, Okay, you're cut, you're gone, you're restructuring your contract. Guess what? We have forty million free. NHL GMs are like, Oh God, I hope he goes on LTIR. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, please. Bright baby Jesus put Eric Carlson on LTIR.
1: NHL GMs have like seances and Ouija boards asking for strange viral skin infections
0: oh the marion hosa effect with this in mind we're a third of the way through the season roughly most teams are closing in on it buffalo and new jersey not so much have fun with your packed roster weeks but we're we're closing in and so we wanted to do our one third of the season bad contracts edition I as I just said I love cap friendly I love studying the cap I love looking at cap situations I'm not a capologist I don't do math but that's what's nice about cap friendly is it does the math for me I'm a words guy I don't do math I don't, I don't do math and I don't do safety while driving see I think that I do math and then I like went to
1: make a math joke and fucked up adding by like 10 so next time
0: <laughs> I know. So we can't talk about terrible contracts without just first talking about the San Jose Sharks, who are, I'm going to reference pokemon a lot lately but they are collecting bad contracts like they are pokemon they're like i got squirtle i got blast toys i got pikachu i got logan couture <laughs> all in my little pokeball i mean we- logan couture fits in a pokeball <laughs> and he in that pokeball he would vote for donald trump <laughs> brent burns does not fit in a Pokeball. brent burns is a viking both on television and in real life yeah but what do they have in common bad contract we could do probably an hour on the san jose sharks cap situation Mm -hmm. that's not what kind of podcast we are but let's just do a brief rundown of the san jose sharks logan couture age 31 8 million per year seven years left under contract until 38 evander kane age 29 7 million per year five years left 10 points this season and a bankruptcy brent burns age 35 8 million per year five years left Still a solid player, yeah, but that's a lot of money for a 35 year old and a lot of money and a lot of term.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still probably going to be productive at age 40, not for 8 million per.
0: I mean, maybe, right
1: Pickles. Mark Edouard Velasic.
0: He's 33 at seven million per. six years left was at one point one of if not the best shutdown defensemen in the NHL. Oh, yeah. And has fallen off a cliff basically the second he signed that contract.
1: This seems to be a theme
0: here with... The, the uh,
1: And just like signed contracts and people going off a cliff.
0: <clears throat> and we'll talk about probably in the offseason about how a lot of NHL GMs are changing the way they look at contracts mm-hmm. and giving people max contracts in their prime as opposed to Alex Petrangelo, <laughs> who is... His contract is fine for now. Did you see? He's not on this list.
1: Did you see the uh, ISO audio of him and Nathan McKinnon's goal?
0: I did not, but it was oh, fun watching so funny. the high priced All Star just get blown past.
1: Not only blown past, but he sees McKinnon at his own defensive circle with the puck when he's sort of at his own blue line. And he just goes, Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just gets his. Pants taken down by, yeah. <laughs> by Nathan McKinnon. So, like, a very good defenseman, but probably overpaid. That's going to be an albatross of a contract that we will be talking about in three years.
0: And if not sooner, when we do this and. In- 2023 we'll see where alex petrangelo is at mm-hmm. also on, on the sharks yeah, this we're might, only halfway done this might actually be the worst of the contracts because martin jones is 31 5.25 million per year four years left and he's martin jones he's yeah. awful and you know not his fault he's old he's played a lot of hockey and it's not his fault he was offered these contracts that's one thing i want to point out like a lot of people get mad at people for being on a bad contract but no be mad at your gm for handing out that bad contract. Right. I want to be mad at Justin Applicator for the contract that Ken Holland signed, signed him to, but it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Ken Holland's a dummy, and good luck, Edmonton.
1: Yeah, like, you got to balance out your distaste for the deal and the player with how much you would just like to be that player like I would love to just be Brent Seabrook just sitting on my ass playing video games and collecting a contract
0: why not and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with the player doing that they're more than entitled to that if your boss was going to overpay you when you were past your prime you would take that deal in a heartbeat
1: oh yeah like I would love to be Andrew Ladd getting paid like five million per to play in the AHL it's a
0: great (laughs) setup
1: I hope he's having fun with it I hope it's not like a drag on him i hope he's just sort of like coaching young players and shit you know i could see that being a huge pride hit but if you if you're happy to be there you can make the best out of any bad situation
0: absolutely so we've run down this long laundry list i feel like laundry list is a weird who makes a list for their laundry
1: very detailed people type a
0: i have seven pairs of underpants in this (laughs) load and in this load i have six that makes 13 Lucky Whitey if I like separate colors from whites, and was like eh. the worst contract in the NHL right now, I think. And this is debatable, maybe it isn't. Eric Carlson, and it's not just because of the term, and it's not just because he's always injured, it's not just because of what he produces,
1: it's not just because of the insane cap hit per,
0: but let's we'll recap it's <laughs> because of
1: the holistic, yes, shittiness.
0: <laughs> so there's seven years left on this deal at 11.5 million per year. First off. Why is a defenseman getting paid over ten million a year? That shouldn't happen.
1: I, I, I can't think of a defenseman. I don't I, mean,
0: I don't think defensemen or goalies should get paid that much. Headman make and headman's only making like seven mil. <laughs> I know. Like headman's getting paid accurately. He could maybe be eight mil. Kel McCarr. Nah, no. You wouldn't pay him eleven and a half. Fuck no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's got four assists on the year. He's like negative ten.
1: He looks like shit. He out looks there.
0: terrible. And he's injured again he
1: looks like a roller hockey player that doesn't realize he's past his prime like he's just a defensive liability he turns over the puck a lot he
0: looks like a roller hockey player who's wearing rollerblades but on ice (laughs) this was a terrible contract when it was offered there were so many signs that he had regressed that injuries had taken a toll on him which they have can't fault a player for that no he has had multiple ankle injuries. And when you're a silky skating defenseman who rushes with a puck, that turns out bad. But Carlson had so clearly been slowed by injuries at this point. He was no longer Eric Carlson, whoa, like the guy who almost single handedly transformed what we thought of what defensemen could be in the NHL. Mm-hmm. He was such a force in Ottawa. Let's not skip past that. He was an absolutely breathtaking player to watch when he was fully healthy and in his prime
1: but he is now eric carlson
0: no eric carlson oh (laughs) eric carlson as i said earlier like this contract isn't just bad because of the term the money or the output or that he's always injured Mm mm-hmm this contract is also awful because of what they gave up to get him yeah they gave up dylan DeMello, who has since been traded to winnipeg but is a very good player there not very good he's a, he's yeah, a good player, good player. You, you know what the sharks could use good players <laughs> they traded josh norris who is if not already will soon be the 1c a in top, ottawa a
1: top draft pick
0: yes a first round draft pick who's going to be a have a very healthy nhl career two second round picks jameson reese who hasn't made an impact yet but he's a recent draft pick so as a second rounder and a player in the upcoming draft or a second round pick in the upcoming draft which is going to be a very high draft pick because the sharks are terrible and they gave up their first round pick last year thinking they were going to be good and that trading away the 25th pick or the 26th pick wouldn't be a big deal. It Ooh. became the third pick. <laughs> that other first round pick became Tim Stutzla or Stutzel. We'll say Stutzel. Stutzel. I think we'll just change it every time. Stutzla? Yeah. It's so this, Stutzla. Uh, well, I'm saying Stutzel today. So maybe next week it'll be Stutzla. We'll call him by his real name. Call him Schutzla. He needs, to, he needs to put more umlauts in his fucking name.
1: He needs to Schutzla
0: more. They gave up essentially a healthy franchise's worth of young players and draft picks. To win now. To win now and then fell apart and even then rewarded Eric Carlson with that.
1: But San Jose should get credit for how goddamn close they did actually come.
0: They did come very close.
1: Painfully close.
0: Two years. The wagon fell apart and... But when the wagon falls apart, just like Eric Carlson's ankles you don't give it a seven-year more, seven year contract.
1: Right. If you don't allow yourself to understand that your wagon is falling apart and you keep driving it at full speed, it falls apart in even more glorious fashion.
0: So the best possible outcome here is that Eric Carlson succumbs to his injuries and has to go on LTIR. <laughs> he dies. No. It's not, it's you, not, said, <laughs> you
1: said succumbs to his injuries.
0: Yeah, and I was definitely thinking about Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> So he goes on LTIR, and that could rapidly speed up a rebuild for the Sharks. But knowing Doug Wilson, he will then immediately give Taylor Hall a seven-year, $9 million-a-year contract, because that's what Doug Wilson does. Imagine
1: a Hall and Kane line, like just how fast and out of control that would be.
0: Well, seeing as how you have no centers in Chicago, yeah, that would work.
1: No, no, I meant Vander Kane.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, the Speaking of Taylor Hall... Mm-hmm. One of his teammates is mm-hmm. second on this list. Yeah, it's Jack. And I- no, I'm just kidding. That's a great contract. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Skinner, seven years left, nine million per year. Invisible on the ice. One point. One assist.
1: I drafted him in fantasy hockey, and ah.
0: you should be ashamed. Jeff Skinner is kind of like the most cautionary tale of overreacting to one massive season. He's a very good NHL, well, eh, no, he not was. this year. He, he, he was, was a very good and, NHL player. I mean,
1: he's right up there with Mantha and people, you wonder how a big ass contract
0: just like changed their work ethic overnight because that's when they disappeared. Mantha I, actually scores goals though, at least. what? Well, and he's on a much worse team. Right. Buffalo is actually competitive in most of their games. So Jeff Skinner was a very good NHL player. He had six 20-goal seasons, including three 30-goal seasons, and was coming off of his first 40-goal campaign where he partnered on a killer line with Jack Eichel on his wing. And to a certain kind of extent, I can understand paying a premium to keep that sort of partnership, that kind of camaraderie or chemistry. Yeah, he was doing it. Especially in Buffalo, what's the number one goal? Not winning. Keeping Jack Eichel happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you spend that money. They also traded three picks to get him. And they weren't first round picks. There was like a third and a fourth and a seventh or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's From not... From Carolina? Yes. So it's not an unsubstantial amount of people or a number of picks. However, you paid $9 million a year for max term for a player who had been doing roughly the same production, if not a little bit more or a little bit less 5.25 million before so you could have probably got them at like six 6.5 maybe i don't know the list of amazing players that have lower
1: cap hits that jeff skinner is absolutely breathtaking
0: it's kind of painful like every member of the avalanche basically ever the entire first line in boston there are ways to not overpay and still have a very good team boston colorado are obviously the touchstones for that sort of philosophy carolina as well carolina was like we're not gonna pay jeff Skinner nine million a year so they traded him and carolina is also one of the best run franchises in the nhl at least from a hockey standpoint and from a numbers standpoint right you also gave a then 27 year old an eight-year deal which means you're hoping for production until they're 35 years old which is for a defenseman maybe not so big of a deal but for, for forwards don't last that long
1: i don't know i don't hate that a ton because because of when it's given out i mean you're at least gonna get five years of in theory top production in right in theory and jeff skinner when he signed the contract he was doing the th- and then after he signed the contract he stopped doing. He the immediately thing. stopped doing. Right, and things. that's wh- <laughs> that's why it speaks to sort of my pessimistic side, where it's like, oh, you know, did he just stop working and take the payday because that's the biggest payday he's going to get, and he's not going to get a better one? Like, I think that is what one of the things that figures into these guys' mind is like, wow, that is just the biggest paycheck I'm ever going to get. You know, it just happened. Yeah then all these sort of philosophical problems become apparent. Like you start thinking about your legacy and you start thinking about the fact that you are living in a body that is inherently dying. You know, all of these problems come into play. You start
0: thinking about how I can get my family to mexico for vacation during a massive (laughs) statewide you start thinking about how you can throw your daughters under
1: the bus publicly
0: yeah you know Jeff skinner's got all these problems you know we're in no way shape or form talking about ted cruz we're talking about jeff skinner and, you know, Jeff Skinner, <laughs> you know, he's got all these existential crises happening. And that's probably why the hockey is less than stellar. Is Jeff Skinner the Zodiac Killer? The Zodiac no. killer? <laughs> I did see a tweet the other day that was if the Zodiac Killer is still alive, he should come out and say that he's not Ted Cruz because he doesn't want to be lumped in with Ted Cruz. <laughs> The last contract that we want to talk about is Drew Doughty. Now, Drew Doughty is, to his credit, still a solid NHL player. Got four goals, nine assists on this this season. He's not a turnstile on defense. No. No, he's, he is not going quietly into this good retirement. Yeah, he's 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 a solid NHL player. And he's had a... I mean... He's got a Norris.
1: He's got a visually resurgent year. He's not... Uh, his numbers aren't amazing right now,
0: but... He's, he's not what drew Doughty used to be but he's a very he's a very solid nhl player like you watch a king's game and he's largely not the one that you would gripe about because he's fine he's also got seven years left of an 11 million per now i remember <laughs> when this contract was signed in my head i went that's a bad contract and i remember nhl talking heads going well you have to give him that money <laughs> No, you don't. You don't have to give anybody anything. The fact also is that they gave him this money, despite the fact that there were very obvious signs, much like Eric Carlson, that he was no longer that defenseman. So you are paying for the legacy of Drew Doughty as opposed to giving him a contract about his future production. So in 2017, 2018, he was incredible. 10 goals, 50 assists, 60 points, plus 23. And I know plus minus is whatever, but plus 23, very good. 2018-19, however, 8 goals, 37 assists, 45 points, 15 fewer points than he had the year before, and a negative 34 plus minus. Mm. Now, again, plus minus is flawed logic, but 57 is a big number.
1: That also coincides with Jonathan Quick's regression, the whole team going from Stanley Cup contender to cellar dweller.
0: But part of that is because their stars fell on right. black days. We'll <laughs> say get a little Soundgarden quote in there whenever <laughs> we can. So this is kind of the, that quintessential contract of paying for the past and not for the future. And that, I think, again, we'll talk about this more in the off season, but there's been a shift, I think, in... NHL GM's minds, you see this with the McDavid, the Eichel, the Matthews contracts, where you're paying a lot of money to young players, but you're paying them that money through what should be their peak years. Connor McDavid signed until he's like 29, so you're going to be paying him a ton of money, but Those are going to be the best years of his career. And if he starts to decline at 29.
1: Which he won't.
0: He won't, yeah. (laughs) He's actually gotten better every season, statistically. But if he does start to decline by 29, you can say, well, you're not Connor McDavid from 2017 anymore or 2020 anymore. You're Connor McDavid 2027, which is still a very good player. Here's what we think you're worth, but we ain't paying you $12.5 million again, right? So... I think you're going to see a lot more of that with guys who would have normally been RFAs getting huge contracts. Mitch Marner went the same route. Guys getting those contracts when those contracts are actually what they're worth as opposed to getting them on the tail end of their careers when they're not worth that anymore.
1: A lot of it is the timing though. You know, like Connor McDavid will sign a gargantuan contract at 20. There's no doubt about that. Whether or not he will earn that contract will be up to the terms of that contract.
0: But I do think there is a, a philosophical shift because before it was like, oh, they're an RFA. I'll give them a three-year deal and it'll be three million. And then I'll, oh, they're they're still an RFA. I'll give them a four-year deal and it'll be like six million. But then they're like $28, 29 and they want to get paid because they've taken these RFA contracts. Mm-hmm. And somebody is absolutely going to give them that contract because they've had these productive careers so far. But then you're giving them the seven, eight-year contract that goes until they're 36. And then you have these albatrosses at the end of your at the end of their career who are Franz Nielsen, I mean who are (laughs) once great players, but are no longer worth what they're paying, and then you can't keep the guys who are coming up because you're paying so much to the guys who are on the end of their career. Hopefully we see that. There is one other bad contract I wanted to talk about.
1: One that's maybe leaving the people who gave it to him a little bit in the lurch.
0: So Mike Babcock, <laughs> chummy, happy-go-lucky, never a frown on his face, Mike Babcock.
1: Really a people pleaser.
0: He he just wants to hug. He just wants to do good by the youth. Has now been hired as the head coach of the University of Saskatchewan. The Huskies. Of the, the Huskies. The Huskies. The Sask. That's that's Sask, <laughs> which is... I can't tell if that's awesome or awful. I haven't figured it out yet. But I like it. You sask Huskies.
1: You know, I, as someone that grew up around uh, Huskies sports operation, you got to use Huck and Fuskies at some point. Like it, it's it's the best play on that mascot.
0: So this is a two-year deal in which, and they don't start college sports in Canada, at least hockey, are not scheduled to restart until september of this year
1: wow so, what a thought yeah responsibility what a... <laughs> they they don't they can survive without college hockey
0: so he's he's not starting until september he's it sounds like this is more of like an ambassador job to get the program in the right place and then they will hire a full-time coach mm-hmm. he's gonna be
1: like president <sighs> of hockey operations
0: yeah essentially
1: because he knows what the kids like yes
0: and loves to be around them he and mitch marner were just best buds so he
1: comes up to the kids and like hey can i get your top 10 your teammates do a power ranking for me
0: what you what you uh listening
1: to on your walkman there <laughs> What's uh hey there
0: who's your favorite backstreet boy
1: hey there who you who do you follow on the TikTok?
0: so you have a coach who was notoriously averse to playing young players regardless of their talent, uses appallingly antiquated coaching and motivational tactics, mentally abuses players, and is a genuinely unlikable turd bunch. That sounds exactly the guy I want molding young men at the collegiate level. If I were somebody from Saskatchewan, I would definitely want to send my non-existent son or daughter to play hockey for Mike Babcock because I can't wait to pay for the therapy for my child that comes from that arrangement
1: yeah someone i don't know if i think this was a joke but someone was like oh yeah five players have already quit from that team that was a real good dark joke
0: (laughs) that was speaking of dark jokes the end of the outdoor game last night in lake tahoe was played at (laughs) night now before we get into this two things one twitter the twitterverse started crapping all over the nhl saying this was just like the nhl it was poorly planned this is stupid for the game getting postponed yesterday. It's not the NHL's fault that it was a sunny day. Many of these have been played during sunny days. Yeah, but
1: they like there are things that you can compute about this. And what they sort of showed was the issue is with what's called albedo. Uh, Libido? <laughs> well, I have issues with that too, but uh, <laughs> it, let's stay on subject. Albedo is just reflection. Uh, And so you had an an absorptance of visual radiation. And so you had the blue line and the artwork that was, you know, black lined that was absorbing more heat and giving it off. And that's what was melting the ice in the proximity of that, as opposed to like the rest of the rink, which was bad, but kind of hanging in there. And so you ended up with, you know, all these ruts and refs falling and and players just like out of control it was kind of refreshing to see like professionals struggle to skate like i do
0: and whenever somebody has made that joke oh did you trip over the blue line well yes I did <laughs> yeah. because the blue line has melted
1: yeah let's watch uh i think it was with blake martinez like double toe pick and go head over heels yeah it was <laughs> it was bad and also i mean a player safety issue like it,
0: yeah and that's the key there is it's a definitely and referee but it's a, a safety issue. And, you know, if you're an owner, you're like, this is an investment issue. So I'm going to not give the NHL shit for that.
1: No, but it is super funny that, it's you know, funny. They, they, I use air quotes, persevered against COVID and not having fans to do this made for TV game. And then they get foiled by the sun.
0: Well, the sun <laughs> is undefeated against ice. It turns. The sun out. is
1: generally undefeated against anything over a long enough time frame.
0: The other thing I will say about the outdoor game is I talked some shit about this. And
1: rightfully so, but you didn't talk shit about the visuals.
0: Yes. I thought it was a stupid idea in the middle of a pandemic to have teams flying to locales, one that maybe haven't been as hard hit by the pandemic and bringing people who are playing in a super spreader event to that, that area. I also thought you're bringing in Philly who has had a lot of COVID issues.
1: Yeah, and like half the team's not playing in the game.
0: Which, that was determined beforehand, blah, blah, blah. I'm willing to eat crow on this because it was awesome. The first period, and I'm sure the game today, which is actually going on right now as we record.
1: I think they're still in the preamble.
0: Yeah, is It was so cool. The visuals were absolutely worth it. The visuals were incredible. NBC did a great job with the presentation and the production of it, as they usually do with hockey. Mm -hmm. It was awesome there were no stand there were no crowds so it was just hockey noises it's just what like you and i hear when we play there were a lot of curse words there were <laughs> you can hear refs yelling at players players yelling at refs coaches yelling at the world it's <laughs> it was awesome it was so you can hear gary
1: bettman yelling at nature
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i liked when they trotted him out to tell everyone that they were going to postpone the game. And he's just like chill. Gary Bettman in like dad jeans leaned up against the boards. Like, yeah, you know, we're just gonna just, we're just gonna play this a little bit later. You know,
0: uh. it was the first time he hadn't been booed in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Cause there weren't fans. Yes. If there had been one fan, it would have been like,
1: <laughs> fuck you, Gary.
0: It was awesome. And actually I am now I have changed my mindset to not playing these in baseball and football stadiums, playing them along lake shores for all time. Oh, yeah. There are so many lakes that you could do this. Just in the state of Minnesota. Just in Minnesota. Yeah, they have 10,000 of them. That's
1: going to be the league's next outdoor series is... Ten thousand games, <laughs> all in Minnesota lakes.
0: <laughs> you could play at Lake Placid. You could play at, on the shores of Lake Michigan or Lake Superior. Like, there's so many cool venues for this. I'm uh, saying, like, up let's get Banff.
1: exotic. Like, let's go like Lake Titicaca.
0: Yeah, let's go like I'm not in Nicaragua.
1: <laughs> let's do the uh, the lake outside of Atlanta that dried up, Lake Lanier. Let's do there. the Ural Sea next but- to some uh, wrecked ships.
0: Or, you know, off the some destroyed Pacific Island where they did the Bikini Atoll test. (laughs) Banff up in Whistler, up in Canada, there are some great lakes in that area that you could play off of. You would obviously not play them this time of year because it's like negative (laughs) 80, but you could play in like June (laughs) when it cools off a little bit. Yeah, I saw some YouTube video
1: of, uh, I think it was in Pakistan, of people playing in this like mountain lake that was just completely surrounded by like sheer rock faces going up, you know, thousands of feet. That was pretty amazing. It's only reinforced that these games are really made for TV experiences and they're not great for fans. I mean, if you talk to fans that have been to most of the winter classics and stuff, they're like, yeah, it was great spectacle, but actually watching the game kind of sucked." Yeah. You can't see shit. Right. So it's like, where would you do it if you could do it anywhere? I mean, I think, yeah, off the Chicago skyline next to Lake Michigan, where they used to play beach roller hockey, would be pretty awesome. Sean McIndoe of The Athletic. Postulated Central Park would be a really good spot. Teams have practiced there. And so, you know, I think that would be cool. I've seen an ice rink on top of a skyscraper. So why not there? And then I like, why not do it in Machu Picchu?
0: I mean, you might disturb some millennia old artifacts and trample one of the most visible aspects of a long forgotten culture, but it's already endangered. Yeah. But, you know, let's whatever. Play hockey. Let's do let's that. Hockey. Get the Blackhawks to play there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a team with a mascot that may or may not be racist against <laughs> an indigenous peoples playing while trampling over the historical record of another indigenous peoples. It's, it's great. So you get my joke. Yes. Let's invite the Redskins. <laughs> oh, Oh, wait, sorry, the Washington football team.
1: I think they should just keep doing it at amazing-looking
0: places, and... I don't need another game at Notre Dame Stadium. I need a game at lake of the woods in minnesota that's what i need so we do have some quick hitters just to finish the episode today if you haven't already read katie strang's piece on the management issues and the ownership issues in Phoenix, Fina- or arizona sorry in the desert with the coyotes organization get a subscription to the athletic you won't regret it their content is amazing support good journalism because they need to make money this piece was incredible it's just you know a journalist is well respected when a piece comes out and they're like oh that wasn't as bad as i thought it would be because (laughs) katie strang was diving deep into it and it turns out that it's terrible but not as terrible yeah
1: katie strang is on the list of journalists you don't want calling your number along with like the guys from all the president's men
0: katie strang's piece in the athletic on the coyotes it's incredible. We're not going to dive too deep into it. because but she honestly. sort of you
1: described sh- the culture and the problems that they're having, talking about a lot of firings, sort of a, a toxic culture.
0: Imminent threat of lawsuit and defamation suit.
1: Right. You know, it, to people that have worked there and, and you were kind of expecting a like Washington football team, like sexual harassment piece to come out, to be honest. And and I think a lot of people were amazed that that's not what it was, but To me, what kind of the underarching thing smacked of desperation, it's the Yotes are grasping at straws and like a coyote, you know, up against their very survival in the desert. I think, you know, a lot of problems sprout from that and uh, financial issues. As she pointed out, there are lawyers just combing the coyotes, interviewing people because there's, there's financial smoke and a likely financial fire. How bad is yet to be uncovered?
0: And we don't know this was reported in or I heard it in Puck Soup this week, but we don't know who those lawyers are working for. But it's the same lawyers that the NHL hired to investigate something in the past. I forget what. Okay.
1: Yeah. And she has said she has her hypotheses. She's not reporting on it yet, but I assume she will. You know, this has the makings of like a three or four parter that yes. takes down something like the meat industry. or Yeah.
0: <laughs> People of Houston, get ready for a hockey franchise. That's <laughs> what we have to say. It's coming probably in the next five years. You're going to see the Houston Coyotes or whatever they decide to name them. In other news... This motherfucker won't go away, but <laughs> Tony D'Angelo. Tony,
1: no no
0: D'Angelo. He was the subject of a, a shockingly, in the New York Post.
1: Yeah, right. Like, if you're going to do a mea culpa interview, you want to pick the
0: least credible major mm. news outlet. That is also hyper right wing.
1: <laughs> That's really good job on the comeback tour yeah. here, bud. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. I'm not a right wing nut job, says, says Breitbart. Breitbart. <laughs> So Tony D'Angelo, first off, it was a terrible article. I read snippets of it rather than giving clicks to the New York Post. I've actually banned New York Post from my Google feed. Ooh, that's, uh, that's
1: spicy. I yeah, like it.
0: I just hate them so much. So I read bits and pieces of it. It's less uh, a Mia culpa uh, than it is him just saying, I'm not these things that I've obviously been in my life. By the actions I've done.
1: Right, and that's kind of what ties these two situations together, is shitty attempts at defending your character. Because the Coyotes came out and put forth a statement towards Katie Strang that basically confirmed everything that she said about them. It was mean, it was threatening litigation, and... It's the Trump playbook. Right, and it was but we're also really nice guys. Yeah. And that was the the crux of the Tony D'Angelo piece. It was like, he didn't say something racist to a person. He said something insulting their cultural heritage.
0: Their ethnicity. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, so much better. Now I just want him on my team. I <laughs> yeah. hope the Red Wings trade for him. No.
1: Like just incredible incompetence there.
0: Well, <laughs> One reading the room. Well, and much like the, Arizona Coyotes, hopefully Tony D'Angelo just goes away.
1: (laughs) You know, I don't even dislike the Coyotes. Like I I wanted to put, you know, the good that they're doing before this piece because they've done a lot of good for hockey in the desert. Austin
0: Matthews doesn't exist without the Arizona Coyotes.
1: Right. And, you know, they haven't been this tire fire of a business They haven't been this version of a tire fire of a business. They've been kind of a tire fire of a business at least a decade. But, you know, you're hearing these rumblings of toxic organization coming out now. And I feel like that has a lot to do with with the desperation of surviving as a small market, small draw franchise in the middle of COVID at once. Don't like to hear these things. And on the other side, like kind of understand how that can happen.
0: If I understand how that can happen, it's not like we're condoning, but it's just like no we see how this comes out. Like when right. people of this ilk are in charge of things that are floundering, they resort to tactics that are maybe less than savory. Mm-hmm. And like in a normal circumstance, you might act as a human being towards the people that you work for you in a situation where there's a lot at stake and you know, your back is against the wall, you resort to like your most base human animal instincts. Yeah,
1: that's what capitalism does to people.
0: Like when you're threatened
1: with your job or, you know, your entire existence existing, if you're part of an organization that can make it or fail, you are incredibly motivated, but also by like the most basic and awful motivating thing we have, which is just survival. Yeah. And that makes terrible people out of good people really fast.
0: And sociopaths rise to the top.
1: Right, like uh, uh, to quote the boss, Bruce Springsteen, like, if what you do to survive kills the things you love, fear is a powerful
0: thing. And anytime we can quote the boss on this podcast, I support it.
1: It's also how we're trying to get through to Tony D'Angelo. Alyssa Biederman of Little Caesars Hockey Club had a bonk. Detroit? <laughs> yeah, Michigan, uh, Michigan represent had just a ridiculous goal. She does, you know, the sort of top of the puck, drags it around, not really a toe drag, but drags it around and then, you know, just absolutely undresses the goalie. She's headed to play university hockey at uh, Colgate University in the fall in, sorry, fall of 2022. 2022. And yeah, has all the trappings of probably- For now, she's just- Dangling fools. (laughs) For now, she's dangling fools, but she's probably a future face of of you know USA women's hockey in some respect. At least if you're going to dangle people like that, like okay, you you can't
0: do something like that that is caught on video. And let's be honest, almost everything is caught on video at this point. You can't do something like that and not have a backup plan. (laughs) (laughs) I guess her backup plan is oh, I'm also attending a an Ivy League university. Yeah, her backup plan is probably going to be
1: getting a really good degree.
0: Also notable
1: on my defenseman's goal list. Uh, Chris Letang had a stupid game last night, but I loved Neil Pionk had a goal this week where he just wound up from the point and everyone got the fuck out the way.
0: It was like Fulton Reed (laughs) and the Mighty Ducks.
1: It was was the closest the NHL will ever come to that. (laughs) I encourage people to go look at this video. I call it the Moses because of how effectively he parts the seas. He just winds up, everyone gets out of the way, Any scores.
0: That's the most important key. At least he didn't burn a puck into the (laughs) goaltender's hand or shoot them into the net or blow out the back of the net that they'd have to Mm. replace and delay the game for. It was much more responsible and respectful to the game than Fulton Reed is. That's the kind of defenseman Neil Pionk is. Yeah, good for him. He's a respectful and responsible defenseman. And then we have deja vu review the teams i'm so tired of talking about columbus i hope that hey did you know
1: there's a hockey team in columbus
0: yes
1: (laughs) i think the makers of the matrix changed something and that's why we had to see this again
0: was there a black cat that just went Mm -hmm. and walked
1: by i think torts is just going to lean into the challenge for the rest of the year to fuck with the refs and the league after getting royally screwed out of a goal a non-goal in the most insane way possible last week if You know, you don't understand what happened. Go listen to our last episode where we get into it. If I were Torts, I would just be challenging every goal. To hell if we have to sit a player for PK, because that's what you do if you lose a challenge. Challenge once a game for the rest of the season, just to make a point. I also agree with Torts, like, fucking around and finding out.
0: He's going to take all the fucks that he gives, put them in a bag, (laughs) leave them in Columbus, somewhere in a locker... And never see them again.
1: I would say this is more of him taking all the fucks that he has, putting them in a plastic bag, setting them on the doorstep of the league, and setting them on fire. And
0: just popping it. <laughs> yeah. Or waiting for Gary Bettman to come out and open the door and step on it, and it makes a noise, and he's and it just scares Gary, and he goes back into his house.
1: <laughs> that's one way to end Chill Gary Bettman.
0: Yeah. Chill Gary Bettman was cool for one weekend in Tahoe. Now <laughs> he's just back to be in, having his pockets full of GMs and owners. I think that's... That's our episode for the day, for yeah, the week. I this think
1: we're going to go try and catch the last part of this outdoor game.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be beautiful. Because it like hasn't, been,
1: hasn't been postponed yet that we know.
0: As of yet. I just checked. We're still on. So, real quick, we are all over the social medias. We are at handsomehockey.com is our website. Handsome Hockey podcast on Instagram, at handsomehockey on Twitter. You can find my musings on Canadian Beer and updates to Evan and I's Twitter spats
1: are those are are they spats or are they games I guess we have both
0: yeah a little bit of both I got myself into a into a a Karen situation because (laughs) I I was on Katie Strang's Twitter or and she posted the you know brief intro of her article as like a teaser to get into people to buy the athletic and just to announce that she had a new article out and this woman was like oh great posting about a paywalled article and I was like You know who she is. You follow her on Twitter. You know she works for a (laughs) subscription-based company. And you came on here just to gripe about that? She's like, well, I don't like how she only gave us two paragraphs. And somebody was like, have you ever watched a movie trailer? (laughs) No, I have not. Yeah, Listen, Karen. Just sit this one out. That's hilarious. Just sit this one out. Anyways.
1: We plug The Athletic more than... We plug that, that work there.
0: Yeah. Also, you can email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback.
1: Yeah. We also have a Facebook page and we're available on most podcast services. And I just found out that we are on tune in as oh. well.
0: So yeah, I saw the email from that and was like, this must be Evans doing. <laughs> Find us and like us on Facebook. If you are listening to us and you like what you hear and you're on a subscription or you're on a platform that allows ratings give us a good rating that would be really cool to have and you know it, it helps us in the long run when and it we, offset our haters from barstool yes yeah we're still still dealing with a trickle-down effect on that but
1: and it's okay it's motivating
0: thank you so much for your support and for listening to us two curmudgeonly liberal folks just spout off and you know we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating this content and you Thanks for sticking around and uh, stay handsome, everybody.
1: Restez beau tous les morts. Thanks. Take care.